Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Raising Kids Who Care. We've been talking about how the brain creates networks to organize patterns we see in our experiences. And these networks act a lot like lenses, which we're going to be calling them. And we can polish these lenses over time if we practice noticing those patterns. Today we're going to look at how we create and polish lenses that involve compassion. We've all seen kids who are particularly tender and caring, And the question might come up, how did they polish those compassion lenses so soon? Well, the reality is we're actually born with the capacity for caring and for sacrifice. It usually fades by grade school. Sometimes schools that focus on social skills can keep them alive longer. But it's often very strong between the ages of two and six if it's nurtured. So let's start there. How would we parent so a child would be caring And since not all kids are alike, let's look at two very different types to get ideas. The first type we could call the rough-and-tumble kid, and they usually have kind of a thick skin. They're going to need good coaching, where we talk the talk and hopefully walk the walk. We have to choose perfect examples if we want to intervene and coach them to do something differently. Because if we didn't see the whole pattern, and they aren't really at fault, we've lost our teaching moment. So we want to coach for saying you're sorry, for comforting, and we want to look for good opportunities to encourage them to be kind and gentle. Animal care is terrific. Words alone may rarely work with these kids, though, because while they're in motion, their ears can't listen very well at these younger ages. There is one kind of language that has a chance of registering. And we could call that working with deep messages. It's almost like branding, so we have to be very careful and not use it often. We might use it if something is extremely hot and we want them to back away. We might use it if traffic is in the area and we want to keep them off the road. There's one other way that we might come up with this very harsh no. And that would be if there's something going on that's cruel. If they're behaving with cruelty, That seems to be a marker that compassionate children have. Their parents took particular exception to that behavior. That voice tone is very loud, and it's going to register much more than any words. So if we use a strong voice often, those deep messages don't communicate. And then we're either going to have defiance or submission when we ask something. So... There is hope, though, for a great kindergarten teacher or preschool teacher if our work at home needs some support. There's a great example of a young child that I've seen recently, and he was absolutely full of life, huge amount of energy, very, very observant, and so delighted about exploring everything that it was absolutely impossible to set enough boundaries. He was way too young for rules to mean anything yet. So then kindergarten happened. And I saw him after a few months of kindergarten. I asked how it was going, and he said it was fine. And I said, well, are there a lot of rules? Nope, he says. Well, can you do anything you want? Yep. Okay, there's a semantic problem here, isn't there? So then I asked, well, do they have points? Oh, yeah, 
They had points. Well, how do you get them? He said, well, you stand up straight, which he showed me. You don't push. And he went on with various rules, but he didn't see it that way. And I said, so do you have a lot of points? Oh, yeah. Well, he turned out to be the most improved behavior in the whole class that year. So in addition, then, to words and points, we can model good behavior. So we can walk the talk. We don't have to be saints. Good enough really is good enough at this age. They're going to look up to us and cut us a lot of slack. So now let's look at the second type of child. What about the tender-hearted kid with thin skin? While you might have had to talk loudly just to get the attention of a rough-and-tumble one, in this case, voice tone is a super big deal. They can even pick up on your thoughts that spill over into your voice in subtle ways. My son was one of these kids. And one time I was fixing dinner and daydreaming about something that irritated me that day when he asked a question. And I popped out of my daydream to answer, but he was taken aback. Mom, that's not a very nice tone, he said. And so I tried again, and he goes, uh-uh. Okay, <laughs> so I dropped the irritating thought, and I tried one more time. Okay. So... These kids don't really need coaching as much as they need protection from getting bruised by life. They spot suffering in a heartbeat. But empathy without action can be a really big problem for these kids because then they'd be prone to depression if they get overwhelmed. We need to allow them to be helpful. And this can pose problems for us. So one time when my son was very young, we were in the grocery store when he announced baby crying. <laughs> I'd heard the baby too, but, you know, convention says we don't mess with other people's kids. But if I were to ignore that, then I'd be telling him, well, see, some kids we worry about and some we don't, which wasn't exactly what I wanted him to learn. So I went down the aisle to where the crying baby was, put my cart next to the baby, and tried to look for something on the shelf. Scotty reached over and patted the baby, and then I could make eye contact with the mother and apologize, and we could move on. You might have situations like that with the tender-hearted ones. We just have to find ways to help them be really helpful and not just sensitive. So they need to enjoy making things better, whether it's helping plants or animals or friends, and they can follow up on their efforts to see if it really helped. Is the plant okay now? Is the animal okay now? And then point out acts of kindness that others are performing too. Often these kids are going to be drawn to the arts so their feelings can have an outlet. So if you find you're raising one of each, this can be a challenge. You may find one child drawn to athletic outlets and the other child is going to long for an artistic outlet to express feelings and learn to create. They're both polishing their heart lenses in their own ways. The next podcast, we're going to look at a strange glitch that arises around age seven that can put their heart lenses at risk. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I hope you'll share them with friends. And please visit us at EmbraceYourBrain.com to check out some really great resources.